friends, and welcome to Fonts and Fauna, a podcast about creatures real or otherwise. I'm your host, Cody Conklin. And I'm your host, Ash Conklin. And we are recording in the morning. <laughs> we sure are. It's a little different, a little bit different vibes in the apartment studio. I like it, though. We got a nice hot cup of coffee, and yeah. we don't have to worry about our toddler waking up. True. Yeah, I think this is kind of my new ideal, I think. Yeah. I think I like this more. Yeah. Very nice. I like it a lot. So how have you been doing? Wait, you usually ask me that first. Yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> I like it because I have my morning voice. Mm, uh, well, I am doing good. I feel like this week has been crazy busy. Like, Yeah, it's gone by so fast. Yeah, we literally were just talking last night about how it felt like it was just Sunday and today is Saturday. So if that's any indication of how fast this week has gone for us. Yeah. Um, but our daughter had a little bit of a rougher week. Mm-hmm. Um, she had an allergic reaction to some of the new laundry. Like, you know, those scent beads that make your laundry smell nice. I do. Uh, so I got some of those and they are different than the ones that I was using before. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they were going to be better for her skin. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, because, well, not that the other ones were necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but these ones you got more and they were cheaper. And they're a brand that is like typically oh. known for being like gentle and stuff. Huh. Yeah, it was the, well, I don't want to brand shame yeah. in case people like it. But basically, she got a rash, mm-hmm. like all over her torso that like moved up into her face. Um, and at first, of course, my mom anxiety was like, she has meningitis. Yeah. Oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I called the pediatrician, she was like, nope, just give her some Benadryl and like rewash all of her clothes mm-hmm. with the stuff that you've used before. Um, and it was definitely the scent beads because the detergent I've been using for like months now. Yeah. Um, and it was just the scent beads that I changed. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. She handled it like a champ. Yeah. I like, really don't even know if she knew yeah, what was happening. It's just like, as a parent, when she she woke up from a nap one time and she came out and her, like half of her face, the half that was on the bed, yeah. was just so red and splotchy. And yeah. like, immediately I'm like, oh my goodness, what's wrong? Like, yep. But she was fine. It's pretty much gone now. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. It only lasted for like part of the evening and mm-hmm. then one day and then as soon as we gave her the benadryl it was like she was completely back to normal so but as a parent if any of like our parent friends are listening you can understand that we were pretty anxious (laughs) all right enough beating around the bush let's jump into it all right I don't really have a transition from bushes to my creature, but uh, I am pretty excited about my creature this week, and it is another request from our favorite, Uncle Dunk. Uncle Dunk! Are you ready? I'm ready. This week, I'm going to be covering the mongoose. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about this. Also, when you said it, I, my brain like blanked on the mon part and so like <laughs> you just i'm covering the goose why like conf- <laughs> like conflicting images of like a goose but also a weasel ah uh, yes i'm so excited yeah okay so i told cody that he would probably be excited about the creature for this week very much so. um 
because one, they're mongooses, <laughs> which is actually the official plural. They, it's not mongoose. Oh, okay. It's mongooses. Gotcha. So it's like a, it's a Greek instead of Latin. It's like how octopus is octopuses instead of octopi. Octopuses are evil. Yes. That's all that matters. That's about the them. fact. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure. But I mean, I guess. So one of our favorite podcasts, The Adventure Zone, there is one episode where one of the characters... Oh, um, I had forgotten. Oh, oh really? my god! Yeah. So one of the characters in our, I would say, at least top three favorite podcast. Yeah, yeah, my favorite podcast. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was yours. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, so The Adventure Zone, one of the characters who's played by, I think, both of our favorite brothers absolutely favorite um, brother. so our favorite brother justin mcelroy he uh hey, mcelroy quick pin <laughs> this is the last plug you're getting <laughs> we do talk about them a lot huh i just need you to know we're coming for your throne <laughs> no more promotion unless you know a little bit of that there starts rolling unless we way. get a signed copy of each of your graphic novels and a shout out on your podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so Justin McElroy's character Taco uh, chooses a mongo- mongoose as his like <sighs> persona for one of... I don't want to say anything in so case y'all good. listen to yeah. it, but yeah. So the mongoose, um, some fast facts. They are an omnivorous, omnivorous okay. mammal, but it kind of goes back to the polar bear thing where polar bears were like hyper carnivorous. Uh-huh. These, I believe, would fall under the hypo carnivorous. Oh, okay, gotcha. So they like, it's it's pretty much half and half oh, for their diet. That's pretty significant. So yeah, there are 23 species. So they're predominantly found in Africa. Oh, I um, would have never guessed that. Yeah, so... 23 species are native to like Southern Europe, Africa, and Asia. Uh-huh. And then there are 11 species that are solely in Africa. Do we don't have them in North America? Not like, I mean, we have them in captivity, but they're not native in the wild too. I feel like they're so prevalent that it's weird that, which if I stop and think about it, I've never seen one. <laughs> I think you might be thinking of meerkats. Or Maybe. like other kinds we have of weasels. meerkats in America? I don't know. I haven't done that creature yet. Well. But any kind of like weaselly creature, I feel like, yeah. can be assumed to be a mongoose, but they're not native to here. Maybe it's just because of the bicycle. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Um, We're but not covering bikes today. We are not, nor will we ever probably. Or are we? <laughs> uh, so their anatomy is they are really long weasel looking fellas Mm -hmm. and they have like small round ears and long tapered tails so instead of like how lemurs cats like they all have the long tails that kind of are just like the same length all the way to the end there's like goes it tapers out into a like thinner point almost is it like fuzzy like they have fur the whole way up the tail still Mm -hmm. though okay gotcha yeah, it's not like a rat tail. Okay. Although rat tails also have fur, but it's like peach fuzz. Yeah. So they have non-retractable claws, which are mostly used for digging. Oh. And they have eyes like goats, which I didn't <laughs> know. <laughs> That's so... Eyes Like Goats was the name of my punk rock band in middle school. <laughs> but you know how like their pupils yeah. are. Yeah. So that's the, and I thought that was really weird because I always pictured them as having kind of like 
eyes like a squirrel yeah. or like other kind of rodentia. But nope, they have eyes like goats. Is there a reason for that? Not that I saw. Okay. But weird. Yeah. They have a large anal scent gland, like a skunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and they use that to like spray and mark their territory. Wow. And it, they also use it to signal when they are ready to mate. Oh. Um, yeah. Nasty boy. Like <laughs> so they range from 9.4 to 22.8 inches or 24 to 58 centimeters snoot to toot. Okay. So excluding the tail. Okay. And they weigh from about 11 ounces to 11 pounds or Ooh. 32 or 320 grams to five kilograms. And they have a mutation in, I am not going to pronounce this correctly, but the nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. That sounded right. Cool. Um, and that protects them from snake venom. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty rad. Also, just like jumping in here really quick as an anecdote from my own notes. Have you ever seen, there's like, it's not on National Geographic, but there's a video where Snoop Dogg narrates. Yeah, I've seen It's those. so yeah. funny. Uh-huh. I will link it down below. It's a bunch of, I'm pretty sure that they're otters. Okay. And not mongooses. Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. And so they're like stepping up to a crocodile (laughs) and Snoop Dogg narrates the whole thing and it's hysterical. So I'll link it down below for you guys because you now are legally obligated to enjoy this hilarity. I legally have to rewatch it too. It's so funny. So moving into the life and behavior... Uh, they mostly eat insects, crabs, earthworms, lizards, birds, um, and they'll also eat eggs and carry-on. Hmm. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So they have a pretty like wide variety yeah. of like hmm. things that they will eat. Some species are very social and live in colonies, <sighs> um, and they can have as many as 50 members. Okay. Cool. And then other species like to live alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> You sure would, the idea of living in a colony with like 50 other people who are just like constant because they chatter constantly like they don't stop oh. that would drive me nuts for example the banded mongoose will live travel and fight together uh and they stay in one area for about a week and then they move to a new place oh yeah caravan yeah and i guess it's just like if they eat all the worms then they just move somewhere else um but i wasn't really sure why they move because there are plenty of animals that don't really do that like although i will say like when we think about squirrels and stuff they are roaming the forest all day like they have a place where they go that's like that that's their nest for that season, but they are roaming like miles and miles every day, you know? So it's like, I don't know. Whenever I think of like roaming animals, I think of like larger mammals, like 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 gorillas, elephants, like they'll roam and stuff, but I don't like rodents. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is to a mongoose is meerkat and right i'm pretty sure they they just kind of like live live in in their holes yeah Yeah. they dig a tunnel dig dig a tunnel (laughs) and the other thing to me that stood out about that was like how do they know the time frame because they stay like about a week every time so i'm like how do they know like do they just like 
remember how many moons and suns they've seen. And then that's like when they go or I really... I don't know. I would be super interested to learn That's like so how. Bizarre. Yeah. So they are active during the day and they sleep at night, which makes sense because mm-hmm. they're like small rodents. So it would be better for them to be able to see. Yeah. And then, like I said before, they chatter incessantly to each other, possibly to coordinate group movements, foraging info, other stuff like Dude. predators and things like that, or just dishing the hot goss, you know? They are so cool. <laughs> So not much is known about their reproductive habits. And so all of the things that I'm about to give you are very vague and have wide like windows. For example, they are thought to have a mating season from March to May or October to December. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just somewhere in there. Uh, They also have a gestation period of... Between 42 to 105 days. Oh. <laughs> Which is like such a big gap. Like, Whoa. yeah. And then they also have anywhere between one to four offspring in each litter. Okay. Hmm. So, which when I was writing that, I was like, well, I guess that's kind of like humans because we like either have one or multiple, you know, like you that's know? just how it works. That's how it works. So, babies are called pups. And they become fully mature around, again, a very wide window, (laughs) nine months to two years. Whoa. Yeah. Like, thinking about our child, when she was nine months old, Mm -hmm. she's only 15 months old now. So, like, that gap is not that different. She is so different from when she was only nine months old. So, the difference between, like, nine months to two years, I'm like, what? I don't understand. What's the lifespan? Uh, six to 10 years. Oh, wow. In the wild. They can live up to 20 years in captivity, though. But still, like, because I was going to say for like a fifth of their life or more, they're considered like adolescents. But then yeah. I'm like, well, Which really is, for humans, you but know. But that's the thing is like humans, we have the longest dependency yeah. of any animal ever. Hmm. Like all other animals. I think the longest one that I have heard of is like three years and i think it's a type of seal oh but every other animal is either born already ready to be independent and Mm -hmm. like mature and others it's like maybe two years yeah yeah so the conservation status is listed as threatened and Uh i wasn't really sure what that meant and it's not as sad as it sounds okay so they aren't endangered yet but The threatened status means that they are likely to become endangered in the near future if, like, conservation efforts aren't made to, like, help them. Well, let's get on it. (laughs) So then we're going to move into what I'm most excited to talk about, and that is the human relations portion. I'm excited. So some species are legendary snake fighters. That's the only thing I knew about them. (laughs) Uh, particularly the Indian gray mongoose is particularly known for its fondness. Fondness. What? Yeah. Of fighting and eating poisonous snakes such as cobras. Heck yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like the sea cucumber. They like it. (gasps) (laughs) I just got shivers on my whole body. Uh, so in ancient Mesopotamia, mongooses were sacred to the deity. I'm 
going to try and pronounce this correctly, Ninkalim, who was invoked for protection against serpents. Oh. And then the Hindu god of wealth, Kubera, is often depicted with a mongoose in his left hand, and therefore some think that mongooses are good luck. Very cool. So I'm going to end by telling you a story. Well, I love stories. This is the story of Ricky Tiki Tavi by Rudyard Kipling. I don't know anything about it. So Do you know Rudyard Kipling though? Yes, yes. Yeah. Familiar with the man. Uh so for those of you who aren't, he is the author of the Jungle Book, and this is one of his short stories about a mongoose. <sighs> Let's go. So there was once a great war between Ricky Tiki Tavi and Indian Grey Mongoose, which we remember from earlier. Yes. They're the ones with we the love, fondness. Yes, the fondness for killing. <laughs> Uh, and a pair of cobras in the garden of an English family. Ricky Tiki's name comes from the cry he makes as he goes into war. <sighs> One day, an English boy named Teddy finds Ricky Tiki after he'd been washed out of his burrow by a flood. He starts to recover under the care of this family and begins to explore the house. And Ricky Tiki kind of adopts a position as Teddy's protector. Uh, his mother at first was hesitant to allow a mongoose, mm -hmm. to ride atop the shoulder of her small child. But then Teddy advocated for Ricky Tiki, saying that he would protect him from snakes. So the next day, Ricky Tiki goes out to explore the garden and comes across a family of birds whose child had just gotten eaten by a snake. The very same snake, a cobra named Nag, appears and claims that the god Brahm gave him his markings and that Ricky Tiki should be very afraid. While this is happening... Nag's mate, Nagaina, sneak attacks, but Ricky Tiki leaps into the air, avoiding the attack. Let's go! <laughs> uh, Ricky Tiki bites Nagara, but because he has never fought a cobra before, he fails to attack with a fatal blow. Mm. So the snakes flee into the brush, injured and humiliated. On the way back to the house, Ricky Tiki sees a baby cobra trying to attack Teddy, but Riki Tiki kills him, not realizing that babies are actually more dangerous than their full-grown mm. counterparts because they're faster and they don't Whoa. have any way to control their venom. Huh. But he doesn't know that. So he just like jumps in completely unafraid and well, kills the baby cobra. He did what needed to be done. It's true. The family is super grateful, but Riki Tiki knows the other cobras are still out there. So he patrols the house at night. On his patrol, he meets a muskrat who tells him how to find the snakes. Riki Tiki heeds this advice and finds the cobras making a plan to kill the humans. Nag crawls into a water jug and Riki Tiki waits for him to fall asleep. He strikes at the base of his neck, clinging for dear life. As they are wrestling and tussling, Teddy's dad comes in and shoots Nag dead. But he's convinced that Riki Tiki is the one who saved the day. Let's. Yes. <laughs> yes. Riki Tiki then goes and seeks out to find Nagaina and finds her next morning taunting the human family. <sighs> they face off, eventually chasing Nagaina into her cobra hole. But Riki Tiki is brave and goes in after her. What? Everyone fears for Riki Tiki. But eventually, he emerges after successfully defeating and killing the cobra. My guy. 
The garden animals then sing his praise while he sleeps. And when he wakes up, he enjoys the food and affection of the humans. Well deserved. He remains on guard, but the household has been free of snakes from that day. Dude, I love that. Right? That's so good. And that, my friends, is the mongoose. Woo! Ricky Tiki! Mm-hmm. That's my battle cry. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I got for you guys on the mongoose. That was so cool. They are crazy. Right? Aren't they so cool? So what creature did you bring for me this week, honey? Well, this week we're going to be discussing the jackalope. <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. Can I tell you a story really well, quick before it. you begin? Yep. So my very best friend, whom I call Africa, mm-hmm. her real name is Lauren, but... So when she was little, she grew up in Texas before she moved to Ethiopia. Uh Um, And she thought that jackalopes were real. And she didn't realize that it was just like a taxidermy thing that people do. Um, And she was like devastated when she found out Uh, that they weren't real. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's honestly, that's kind of like kids figuring out that Santa's not real. Oh, it's, I think that's totally fair because you, I do too. You see it and taxidermists are good at their jobs yeah so. i w- i would have thought that they were real too if i wasn't an absolute animal planet fiend when oh, i was a kid yeah. but yeah so in her defense i would have been right there with her oh yeah so the jackalope and i am going to title my section the only mythical creature to impact modern medicine oh my gosh i'm excited well but before we get there we got to step back a little bit so most people when discussing the jackalope you begin in the 1930s in america okay but we are not most podcasts that's so, true instead we're going to begin in zurich in 1551 Wait, in germany? zurich germany so long before america and equally as far away <laughs> and we're going to begin with a man named conrad gessner and his book historia animalium So this book is perhaps the most widely read of all the Renaissance natural histories, and it is also the earliest mention of the Lepis Cornutus, or the horned hare. Ooh, I want this book. Yeah, it's very cool. So this book, sidebar, this book is where you see like all of those medieval and renaissance looking pictures have you ever seen a picture of a rhino that looks like it's wearing armor um the only thing that comes to mind is robin hood but i have seen like jackalopes i have seen those in like woven tapestries in castles and stuff but this book is where you see like um early drawings of manticore oh um, yeah so lions with like a human head yeah. um really famous drawings of unicorns and all this so this is where like if you've seen those early drawings, yeah. this is probably where they came That's from. That's awesome. Um, so like in those woven tapestries that we've seen in like Scottish castles and stuff like that. They were probably citing this That's book. That's so cool. Yeah. So it is the earliest mention of the Lepis Cornutus of it being a real animal citing that it lived in Saxony. Okay. Of all of the places, that is not where I would think it would be. Well, that's also not the only place we see it coming from but from saxony that's uh, apparently where emperor rudolph the first or the second got his who was the holy roman emperor wait like got his jackalope his or like got his got his jackalope okay <laughs> <laughs> he got his jackalope uh because apparently he had a couple in his collection okay the animal's existence was corroborated by a french scientist named nicolas claude fabry de Pieris. in his biography he talks about uh in 1606 he went to visit a widow 
who had two jackalopes, okay. but sadly one of them died before he got there. So only he only saw ah, the one. Okay. Which kind of gets into the tone of the jackalope. Uh-huh. But we'll get to that in a little bit. So the Lepis cornutus has a few relatives. Okay. Um, one of them being the Wolpertinger, which is a horned rabbit <laughs> with wings and fangs that lives in the alpine forests of Bavaria. Wait, why do I feel like I know that creature? I guess it would be the Wolpertinger. I feel like I've like seen pictures of that Probably. creature. Probably. Yeah, hmm. it's like a... it's. And I've been to Germany. Yeah, so. Germany and Bavarian folklore. Is, yeah. So. And we were in Bavaria. So. So I probably, probably yeah. Like you probably went into a pub. Yeah. Or like any of the castles had like depictions of animals all over the place. Yeah. So, so there's also the uh, Al Mirage, which is a single horned hare found in Islamic folklore. And one thing I want to note is that it's the only horned hare that is described as being a carnivore. That's horrifying. These guys are like every one of these i just flash back to monty python and the holy grail yeah and the, the little rabbit yes um, um and the final one i want to talk about is from huachol or oral tradition which is a native american okay. tribe or people group and in all of their like tellings and stories there's a close relationship between rabbits and deers oh they're they're even depicted <gasps> like bambi well they're depicted as being brothers Ooh, I like that. In their stories, deer actually get their horns from rabbits. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Right? Native American lore is so interesting to me. Yeah, and it's something that I know very little about, but I feel like if you go digging, there's going to be... Yeah. Hopefully, there's some left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and now we're going to transition from hairs around the world to our focus of the episode, the jackalope. Woo! So we're going to begin in the 1930s, which we mentioned is where you usually begin in America. America, land of the mighty jackalope, emphasis on mighty. Okay. So uh, many American folklorists categorize the jackalope as a fearsome critter, which is something we will be coming back to. Oh no. Because they are crazy. You'll get an idea of what they are. Okay. So these oral traditions were spread among uh, like loggers in the early 20th century, okay. predominantly um, around the Great Lakes. Okay. So picture big burly men sitting around a campfire. I'll picture my great granddad. Exactly. <laughs> he probably like honestly told some of these stories. Yeah. And so I found a uh, an excerpt from Henry H. Tryon's Fearsome Critters in 1939. Um, a lot of these stories have been lost because it was just loggers mm-hmm. telling stories. But he actually wrote down um, a lot of these critters and descriptions of them. And cool. that's where they come from. But this is he like broke down how these stories are told in such like a precise and like universal way. Like I read this and I was like, this is exactly how these stories are told. Mm, that's really cool. So. I'm going to read that excerpt now. I'm so excited. Sam would lead with a colorful bit of description, and Walter would follow suit with an arresting spot of personal experience, every detail being set forth with the utmost solemnity and with exactly the correct degree of emphasis. At the end, so deftly had the cards been played that the listener was completely convinced of the animal's existence. This method of presentation is widely used. For the best result, two narrators can keep the ball in the air as necessary. And perhaps an occasional general question is tossed to someone in the audience, 
such inquiring being invariably accorded a grave corroborative nod. Isn't that just exactly so like picture these are like told to haze people basically. Yeah. So something goes bump and they're like, well, what was that? It's like, oh, you don't know? That's the hide behind. Uh, What's a hide behind? Oh, Sam, he hasn't heard about the hide behind. Oh, I remember the first time I saw a hide That's behind. That's so fun. Jimmy, didn't you lose your brother to a hide behind? Gentle nod. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. Isn't that so like perfect and yes. beautiful? Like I can picture them all sitting around and it's like lunch and they're taking a break from their long yep. work day. And there's the new like young boy who exactly. just started and all of the old men are like, we got to initiate him mm-hmm. into the, like, I can so vividly picture this. I, I am loving yeah. it. I'm ba-da-ba-ba-ba loving it. Yeah. I got to track down this book because... It sounds great. So, some of the details in these stories is what we're going to cover now. And I've decided to talk like Yoda. So, so, jackalopes are said to be incredibly dangerous to hunt. Okay. So, those bold or foolish enough to track them down are advised to wear stovepipes on their legs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To keep themselves from being gored. Uh, Stores in Douglas, Wyoming, which will come back to Douglas, Wyoming. Okay. Because it's very important to the jackalope. Well, and that's like right around the same area where my like grandpa and my great granddad, like in that area. Your dad's name is mm-hmm. Douglas, so um, they sell jackalope milk. However, according to the New York Times, they're not sure about the authenticity as jackalopes are incredibly difficult to milk. <laughs> okay. And in fact, the process is fraught with risk. Oh. According to one writer. And how exactly do you go about catching a jackalope? Should you be foolish enough to try? Well, you leave out some whiskey. It's their favorite drink. <laughs> this is 100% a loggers yep. thing. And also, uh, cowboys out on the range uh, were known to have interactions with jackalopes as they would sit around the campfire, strum their guitars, and sing songs. And who is that harmonizing with them but the humble jackalope? Oh, my gosh. You're making me want to ask my grandpa if he has any, like, jackalope stories. Well, if he's ever heard him sing, apparently they have a beautiful tenor. (laughs) And our final fun fact is that jackalopes, they only breed during lightning flashes. Whoa. And their antlers uh, make it difficult for this, despite, you know, the hare's reputation for fertility. Okay. A couple questions. Uh Uh-huh. First question. So when they mate during lightning flashes, does that mean that like it's the quickie of all quickies or like just during a lightning storm? No, during a lightning flash. Wow. Uh, And then second question, how, well, maybe I don't want to know the answer to this, but how would the horns make it difficult? The horns make it difficult. But they're on like their snoot part of their body on their noggin yeah and like everything else happens down by the toot well but you don't know how they get down (laughs) i guess you know what fair enough (laughs) so i mentioned douglas wyoming and that is because you cannot talk about jackalopes and not bring up douglas herrick who has possibly done douglas herrick douglas herrick (laughs) uh who has probably done more than anyone else to spread the tale the story goes that in 1932, Douglas and his brother, who both studied taxidermy by mail-in order... Oh, okay. That's how they did it in the 30s. They couldn't go to school. You just do your homework. Especially in Wyoming. Yeah, send it out. You get the next 
thing in the mail in yeah. a week or they a were like the only people in wyoming at that point at that point that's why it's called <laughs> douglas you had another town called herrick wait really oh uh, okay i was like whoa i don't know if he's named after the city i'm assuming he's named after the city or it's just coincidence yeah so he and his brother go hunting train taxidermist they go hunting come back to the store with a rabbit mm-hmm. come back to the taxidermy store tosses it on the table looks over and it landed next to a pair of deer antlers mm. that he was gonna stuff and that's the light bulb moment where he's like oh this is it yeah the rest is history oh. you know they set up their store Creative genius yeah they sell the jackalopes mm-hmm. to mostly like bars and hotels yeah that tracks um bed and breakfast that kind of thing mm-hmm. um they also sell the milk which we talked about <laughs> And they sell hunting licenses, which you can still buy today, I think. Oh, interesting. Um, Jackalope hunting season takes place one day, June 31st. Okay. From midnight to 2 a.m. Okay. So if you want, head out to Douglas, Wyoming, get yourself a license, and good luck. Good luck, indeed. Mark your calendar, June 31st. (laughs) Now we're going to get to the crazy part. Okay, I'm ready. I'm so excited. Jackalopes are real, and they helped in a major discovery for modern medicine. So, 1930s, the country's abuzz with jackalope fever. Hunters in northwestern Iowa report that they saw rabbits, um, that they saw and shot rabbits with several horn protrusions on many parts of their bodies, including their faces, necks, and other parts. Weird. These reports led to cancer researcher Richard E. Shopes to come and investigate, and this is what he found. In 1933, studying these horned rabbits, Shoves was able to isolate virus particles from the horns, which turned out to be keratinous carcinomas on captured animals, and he was able to then isolate that and put it into domestic animals, which developed similar tumors. Huh. So these horned rabbits, did they just have some kind of like extra keratin and like a birth defect that caused so this was this was a major discovery it's known as what uh it's known as shope's papillomavirus okay and i'll show you a picture of one of these rabbits now isn't there a human papillomavirus yeah hpv there is oh okay So, so yeah that's kind of what i was picturing yeah so he's able to isolate it and inoculate it so this is the first mammalian tumor virus discovery And his research led to the development of the first mammalian model of a cancer caused by a virus. Oh, wow. That's a huge discovery. Yeah. And so this contributed to our understanding of the fundamental mechanisms of neoplasia or the formation of new abnormal growths of tissue. So the virus was sequenced in 1984, showing substantial sequence similarities to HPV. Interesting. Uh, it's been used as a model for human papillomavirus both before and after this discovery. Wow. The most visible example of its role is the HPV vaccine, which was developed based on and incorporating research done during the virus as a model. Similarly, it has been used to investigate antiviral therapies. Wow. And that is how the jackalope, folklore, and fearsome critter helped shape modern medicine that's so cool that's so crazy right yeah wow that's really cool also i always pictured them as living in like the desert yeah not in like the forest yeah 
So that's really interesting. But I guess it makes sense now knowing that like there's lore thinking that they're brothers to the deer. Yeah. But also like, I don't know in Wyoming what the country is like it's kind of like montana where it's like a lot of mountains and then there's also like plain it's beautiful wyoming is gorgeous but yeah you also like not also often like i picture them as being around like tumbleweeds and stuff so i don't know maybe that's because it's like depicted that way in cartoons i feel yeah i think it's just like they're kind of an old west thing with association of cowboys and all that and like whenever i even though this is really dumb for me to assume because my grandpa was like a literal cowboy yeah um i always picture them as being in like texas and like new mexico and stuff like that when my grandpa lives in washington state so (laughs) yeah one thing i have to remind myself is an important part of being a cowboy is the cows and they need yeah grass and stuff it's true my grandpa has a bunch of cows so and he has pretty much his whole life but that's really cool and that's all we got well thank you guys so much for listening uh and as always i will leave everything in the show notes including videos that we've mentioned um you can find pictures of all of our creatures on our instagram uh if you have any creatures that you would like us to cover feel free to shoot us an email or slide into our dms Leave us a review on iTunes if you feel like it. Share this podcast with your friends. And as always, you guys are doing a great job. And if you're having a bad day, just remember, at least you don't have teeth in your butt. Bye, Bye guys. guys.